Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Stillwater and I'm happy to be joined by my friend Joey Magidson of AwardsRadar.com to talk about this one. Joey, have you shacked up with any French ladies lately? Not lately, but uh, (laughs) once in real life, yeah. Ah, well, there you go. So maybe this movie brought back some memories for you. Uh, um, I mean, it's killed anyone that I know of. I don't talk to her anymore, so maybe, but. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I wasn't i wasn't talking about the accused murder i was just, i was talking about what the the matt damon character goes through. oh oh, oh uh, yeah no i like how that's where my 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 brain went yeah yeah you're, you got you got you got a little dark on me there it went <laughs> for matt damon i'm gonna throw it out there yeah yeah uh, yeah so hopefully if hopefully if anyone ever gets to live that kind of life they make smarter decisions than uh, his character does um but stillwater is the newest movie from uh writer director tom mccarthy it is his follow-up to the 2015 best picture winner spotlight it centers on an oil worker from stillwater oklahoma named bill baker uh, who is played by matt damon he has to travel to marseille in france in this movie to visit his Estranged daughter, who is named Allison, she's played by Abigail Breslin. Allison has been serving a prison sentence because she was accused of uh, murdering her, her former lover. Allison's uh, maternal grandma, Sharon, is also kind of in Oklahoma and had been helping out a lot, but she's going through some hard times health-wise. So uh, Bill, despite having a rocky relationship with her, has been kind of trying to go and see her as much as he can. Uh, On one of his visits, she slips him a note about some uh, secondhand conversation she heard that may provide some exculpatory evidence regarding her case. He brings it to her lawyer, which who says, "I sorry, I can't do anything. This is hearsay." So Bill ends up taking it upon himself to try and uh, free his daughter, and he enlists the help of a woman who he happens to make an acquaintance with, who can kind of work as his translator. And her name is Virginie, and she he ends up uh, kind of uh, becoming like a bit of a family member to her and her daughter named Maya. Joey, I guess where I'm going to start is I was originally not going to talk about this movie on the podcast. I I did I did something I kind of swear I'm usually not going to do, and that I kind of had made up my mind about this movie based on the trailer, which I feel bad about. But it was like kind of a goofy bit of a trailer because it was just kind of disorienting to see uh, Matt Damon playing, you know, this guy who was just kind of really rough around the edges, supposedly kind of a conservative guy. Uh, there was a lot of memes about this uh, one of the stills from the trailer. I don't know if you saw that, where it was a lot of kind of putting a grabbing one of the stills from the trailer where he looked a lot like Chipper Jones and just saying like uh, when he sees a bat flip, that kind of thing. And he does look a lot like Chipper Jones. I didn't like that part. Yeah. And I was just like, man, like I'm 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 pretty sure I'm gonna think this movie is corny, and I'm gonna have some take about how, man, I wish they had just cast someone that wasn't Matt Damon. And uh, but then again, movies like this might not get made if you don't attach Matt Damon. And I was just oh, you're I a little early on that one. Because now people wish it wasn't Matt Damon. Yeah, right. So he kind of yeah he he had his own PR troubles uh, last week, and I so I I, I just kind of like had this vision in my head where it's gonna be like wow it's gonna be uh, MAGA Matt Damon and it's gonna be uh, just another version of Taken and that was kind of where my head was at and man I was like I was actually like really really surprised by this movie because it just it turned out to like very kind of almost intentionally like not be that and so i think i had very low expectations and it just kind of surprised me did this movie surprise you in any ways yes and no so um i had it in my year in advance predictions for several oscar categories because it, hey, it's tom mccarthy could be yeah exactly tom mccarthy really only makes really good or really bad films according to most people to be to be fair i love spotlight i think it's 
as good as everyone say. I love it as much as anyone else. I'm kind of lukewarm on the other stuff. I, I recognize that The Visitor and The Station Agent and Win Win are good films. They just, like, I, I think they're good films and that's it. Um, the Cobbler is a bad movie, but it's incredibly watchable in that it's wild. Um, and then his kid's movie, Timmy Trouble, is is whatever. But, you know, enough so that you, you have to take seriously whatever he makes. And, and I thought, like, ooh, this could be a Matt Damon Oscar role. He doesn't have an acting Oscar. You know, Abigail Breslin has a really baity role. So I, I, I think I kind of had a roller coaster. Initially, my expectations were higher than most. Then... They started to lower. I, I talked to some people at Focus and like they didn't think it wasn't a thing. But I think they were like, don't expect this to be the front runner kind of situation. I think they're also just higher on Blue Bayou and some of their on some of their other work. Then the can reviews were fine. Good. You know, they ran a range. Like Some people thought it was really like surprisingly good. And some people are like parts of it are good and parts of it are terrible. So. And then they had, the thing where, they had the thing where they, it gets the standing ovation, which always throws people off because doesn't everything get standing ovations oh, there? Nothing, nothing doesn't get a standing ovation. If it gets, if it gets no standing ovation, that's awful. If it gets booed, not necessarily a bad thing. Standing <laughs> just meant they saw it. Like, listen, I love Kevin Smith, but Clerks 2 got like a 10-minute standing ovation. And that's a good movie. But it got the same standing ovation that like probably Fahrenheit 9-11 got that same year or whatever, whichever movie was you know, the big movie of that season. But no, I thought it was a, a pretty, pretty good to very good movie. There's a, there's an aspect of it that's not good. And there's an aspect of it that's fantastic. So they're kind of at odds with each other. There's very much, I would say, almost three movies here. And one and a half of them are really good. And, and the other one is is not great. I feel like we might be on the same page as that. But I guess I'll probably start with what is like the first movie, the first of those three movies, which is... Uh, a bill like you know kind of having to play detective and uh lawyer on his own and you know it was kind of like again i was kind of expecting it to turn into taken kind of and i just thought it was going to be kind of i only watched the trailer once and i i don't remember why i got those vibes from it but i just kind of aside from the fact that i knew it was about a guy helping his daughter i just kind of assumed i don't know why i had it in my head it was going to be kind of like an action movie and mm. instead it was like a fish out of water type of thing watching this guy bumble around which i just found kind of like entertaining and just like upending my expectations and yeah i and, and i kind of enjoyed it and i was enjoying the performance because i was just like i said i was very worried about this performance thinking i was going to be wishing it was another actor and he just really kind of surprised me because he just did it in such an understated way that i liked watching this guy try and navigate marseille yeah no it was it's a really really good performance in that in no way is it maga but it's very much a, a maga voter in that sense and what I, what I mean by that is you know there is a scene where they ask him like her, the his his French friend who later becomes French girlfriend has a like very liberal friend who asks like, did you vote for Trump? And he goes, I, I didn't vote with the with the sort of like unspoken thing. Or maybe they even say it. I forget. Well, no, they, it, he says he couldn't vote because he was a felon. He couldn't vote. But the sort of un, unspoken part of that is that he probably would have because um, you see, you know, you see the little like coded things in a movie and like, listen, I don't disagree with it, but. You know, in in movie shorthand, middle America guy saying his prayers before he eats is code word for, you know, conservative. And that's not me. Like, I'm I'm a liberal Jew. Like, I'm as far away from that as possible. But, you know, I know movie language. So they, there's enough there to let you in that this would be that guy. But he also doesn't demonstrate any of those like awful tendencies that make you go, 
oh, I think you're a bad person. So it's, there's, a, there's a nice thing here where they go, this is clearly not a person you would agree politically with, but he has humanity. He doesn't think of anyone as lesser than him. Like, this is sort of the old fashioned, like, oh, I disagree with you politically, but you're still my friend. And that's important because you need to be invested in the initial struggle because he is kind of a boob. Like, he's not like comedically bumbling, but he's not particularly intelligent. His instincts are bad. And you need to be invested in him because you need to care about that part. And then later on, you're going to need to sort of get over the hump of, oh, this is turning into a very different movie. Well, yeah, and it's just going to be not a fun time if you like just don't like the guy. And I mean, if 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 you don't find like something to identify with with him and sympathize with him and all that, like you're just not going to enjoy sitting through like basically any of this movie, even the parts that it sounds like we both ended up enjoying. But I, I was kind of I heard I was listening to another podcast talk about it, and I I disagreed with this, but they thought that that scene that you already mentioned where he gets put on the spot about. Like, do you vote for Trump? Which I, I freaking laughed out loud at. Like, I, I thought it was hilarious because, like, it's kind of like the unspoken subtext of the whole thing up until that point. Like, you're watching this guy do that. And I like that they just, like, got it. They just threw it right out there. And I, I so I appreciated that. But I was – this other podcast I was listening to, they thought that, like, it kind of let him off the – it let the whole thing off the hook by just having him be able to kind of, like, hedge and, and I mean, say it like that. But that's fine. I mean, I think it's well, – it, it is. Yeah, and it I is. agree because – I thought that it was smart what they did later in the movie where they're kind of investigating and I, I, I'm really bad at saying that name, Virginie, or I, I can't get yeah. it right. So it's Camille Cotton is the actress's we're, name. So. We're going to say Matt Damon anyway. No, we're not going to say Bill Baker. Sure. So when Camille Cotton's character, like, uh, is they're, they're investigating with a, uh, a shop owner who might have seen the guy that was the actual killer of the person that they've been that they're trying to track down this whole time. Uh, he's he's just being extremely xenophobic. And because the, the suspected kill, the other suspected killer is of Middle Eastern descent or yeah. Arabic. And he's just excited to potentially put any Arabic guy in jail. Basically, and, says, tell me which one you want to be. And I'll say it's this person. Yeah. And Bill, uh, he, he doesn't really seem that bothered by that. And that the fa- that bothers Camille. And, and and I was like, oh, that's kind of smart that that's what, kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back for her and makes her, her kind of write him off for a bit. And I actually kind of like that they that that was kind of how they got it across. Like, look, yeah, maybe this guy is more decent than your stereotypical Trump voter, but there's still some other tendencies there. And I thought that was kind of a smart way to go about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't if you're trying to be a movie set in the real world and be at all realistic, you you can't not have people address it because that's that's just the reality of of what you would you would do like if you reverse the roles like if if we you know saw that england or or france just like another like first world type ally had elected you know mr burns as president you would ask everyone you know who's from that country like the fuck what's going on like it would be a thing like I I'm, went, al- I'm always excited these days when I see someone that's like when I run into someone that's not from our country because I want to know what they think of us. Yeah, no, I listen, I I went out of the country for the first time in my life the day after Thanksgiving 2016. So about two or three weeks after the 2016 election. And I went to England and Iceland and at Heathrow when they ask you for your purpose of visit, you know, you're supposed to say like pleasure or vacation or whatever, because I'm a I'm a dick. Uh, <laughs> I, I said escaping Trump <laughs> and they thought it was hilarious because how could you not like it's the it's the orange elephant in the room. So the fact that the movie like doesn't ignore it is helpful because you it colors in this character of like this is a person who, you know, because everyone knows someone like this. You kind of wish they were a little different 
but you accept them as they are because you need to be invested in them because in the first act, you're just following them. In the second act, you're watching them sort of like try to better themselves. In the third act, you're watching them make really poor choices. Yeah, you want to know my funny uh, timing story with respect to the 2016 election? As far as travel, two and a half weeks before the election, I moved from Pensacola, Florida in the Panhandle, which, you know, that's kind of the heart of Trump country. And I moved to downtown West Palm Beach, which is in I now I currently live about exactly 1.7 miles from Mar-a-Lago. So I got out of Trump country to then move to what is now Trump's like primary home. <laughs> so, you, uh, so you go over and have uh, have chocolate cake with him and stuff, right? Uh, that's what, that's what they do there. I, I, I don't think I'm going to go there cause I'm probably have like a 90% chance of catching COVID if I go there to my, socialize. My favorite, like my God, he's awful story in that it's harmless, but just tells you everything you need to know about him is I love reading about like what presidents eat because I'm just fascinated by the idea of like, it's essentially a mansion, the white house and you have servants, but you also pay for your food. So it's like, it, you know, but I was reading that, you know, he obviously loves junk food cause he's a giant fat slob. But uh, at events, they would have dessert, and he loved, like, cherry vanilla ice cream. I'm like, oh, cool, I love that, too. <laughs> oh, no, we have something in common. But <laughs> because it's him, he would always insist on being the only one to get two scoops. As, like, even with dessert, it's a power play of, like, I got two and you didn't. I'm better than you are. Jeez. Well, uh, you know, he has in common with the protagonist of our movie is that uh, Bill Baker is in Marseille and uh, probably a lot of really interesting French cuisine there, and he has to stick to Subway. Yeah, I, I did like that. That the foodie, I mean, listen, it's sponsorship, but I love that he goes to Sonic in Oklahoma and then goes to Subway in France. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I feel like that's like kind of like, I don't know, I... Again, well, he, you're right. You might just kind of be the guy in the guy I, I would just tolerate if he was in my life. And again, I'm from the Florida Panhandle. I can kind of relate to having to do that with a person. He, uh, more than it's because he never brings up politics. Like, you know, there's 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 two that's, types. That's like a stereotypical thing in the real world. The people that don't want to talk politics are. Well, I mean, there's there, so there's three types. I was going to say there's the people who can't wait to bring up like how great that guy is or how much they hate Hillary or how Joe Biden's a secret communist or all this like stuff where you're like, Oh, you're, you're stupid. Okay. Fantastic. We can't talk about this. There's the people who believe that stuff, but don't want to talk about it because they're aware how crazy it sounds. And then there's who I think uh, Matt Damon's character is, which is just like, I don't care about all of that. Like, you know, there's a, there's a code word or just a thing. he, he said guns, so I believe in guns, or I think my job, like the, the stuff where you're just like, I get where you're coming from. I think you've backed the wrong horse, and I think this person especially is conning you, but I, I can't deny that you have a point to why you vote this way. You're still voting against your own interests, but you don't strike me as like actively like lethal and hurting people. Right, right. And well, it, well still, I, I, they, they do make, have a couple conversations within the movie where they ask him like about owning guns, because that's like a... It's kind of an odd thing to like your average French citizen where it's like not yeah. like every where guns aren't are, are just not as easy to come by in a lot of those countries because they're I mean, they're smarter than us. Uh, and and so it, it's kind of discussed, it's understood. He probably does know his way around a gun. So that's part of what's like leading me to think it might turn into an action movie. And even if not that, maybe at the very I, least, like a, a legal thriller. I think they and, play with that a little bit and that they want you to think it. it's never going to become that movie. But they want you to consider the possibility that it will. Listen, I. um I'm about as left wing as it gets. Like, I'm not like a crazy Bernie bro by any stretch, but like, I'm decidedly a liberal New Yorker. Like, I, you know, 
I back most liberal causes, but I also like very briefly used to be in the police department. Like I'm, I don't think most people should have guns, but I'm not scared of them. So like, you know, there's, there's that like shades of gray thing that you can hear. This movie isn't concerned with that. Like they're not having a debate about that. It's just, it's just another thing of like, how can we delineate him as an other, which I think is very interesting because this movie, I think on the outside, the bad version of this movie the other is always the French person or the Middle Eastern person. Like it's the, the Clint version of the movie. I was gonna say I read your review and I had and I was like that 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 is who would direct the bad version of this. Yeah, he would direct the one where where Matt Damon, even if it's not an action movie, like Matt Damon is very devout in his beliefs and everyone has to sort of move to him. And it would be, you know, he would have gone to McDonald's or Subway, but it would have been after having like some sort of French meal that he was like, ugh. And he would have gone the other thing as like a comfort of like, I'm centering myself. This movie almost plays as like sad of like, okay, you go to, you go to France every couple of months and your routine is to stay in one very like whatever hotel. Best Western. <laughs> exactly. You stay in the most American hotel where they know you. They know you as the American guy who comes. You know, obviously his daughter's kind of infamous. So like, you know, he's known in that way, but he's just the guy who comes, stays in the same area, like goes to Subway, like doesn't really engage with the culture. But it's not seen as like defiant. It's seen almost as like, I'm scared. Like my daughter went here. She engaged with the culture. Something bad happens. This is why I stay in my bubble. So like you're meant to understand it, but also kind of judge him. Well, yeah. And you well, Yeah. So and I and again, I like the t- that it kind of takes that turn and is something different. And like you, you kind of you briefly described there what, you know, what the version it is potentially setting you up to think about, think it's going to be is, and it, and it just turns into like, no, seeing how this guy kind of navigates the world. But I, I just, I just found that to be a pleasant surprise. I yeah. maybe, and maybe I thought it was going to j- jump more to what it is in the third act sooner, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. They and, were as long as they could before going, let's not be taken. But he has to somehow do something wild to, like, try to prove her innocence. Yeah, and it, it's funny that I, I happened to think to ask you to do this one because it, it made me think of the one of the last movies we talked about before the pandemic, and that was The Way Back, which stars his friend Matt Ben Affleck. But that movie just kind of surprised me at every turn because I kept thinking it was going to do, like, stereotypical sports movie things, and it just didn't do that. This one couldn't quite avoid it, but at least tried to do it differently. And right. at, least, at least kind of – so I think that's by far the weakest part of the movie is everything from the um, soccer game on. Exactly. And this is like kind of mildly spoiled. When he returns home, I won't say any more than that, but once he returns home, the last conversation that he has with the other person, we can be vague enough, I guess, about that. Well, we can do do a spoiler section at the end too, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, like that that conversation, I think, redeems the movie a lot. Because again, Clint Eastwood version rewards him and doesn't question any of it. And this version, not only like, makes it clear that what he did was wrong but even though in some ways he got what he wanted they're both not in good spots at the end of it like they're they're left to sort of like contemplate it's it's not no country for old men but it's kind of that ending of like okay deal with it here's where we are you guys deal with it now but yeah, you're, you're, I was just expecting uh, Abigail Breslin to get out of jail and like either it, it lead to some other kind of trial because we'd already met those lawyer characters or uh, maybe there'd just be some unsavory characters after her because she was infamous. And instead, it's like, nope, she's staying in jail. And we have like a whole stretch of this movie where he's just playing house with this French lady and her daughter. And Which is the, the best part of the movie, honestly. Yeah, yeah. But if, if you would like explain to me that was what the movie was going to be before, I probably would have had trouble picturing a version of it that I was really into, except, well, I really, except I really dug it. 
Well, you need to you need to then spend that like 45 minutes. It's almost like a short film in the middle of just like, here's this American expat who's he doesn't have anyone else to go. So this is the best he can figure to still be helping her just to be in the same country as her, even though he lives with with uh, Camille Cotton and her daughter, like just basically almost like a babysitter. Still doesn't really speak French is is very much an other, but kind of can navigate around like is working there and. You just need to become invested in him and that that like, OK, I'm trying to better myself in, in this very small way because I'm not a worldly man and I'm not a, you know, especially intelligent man. I can try to be a good family man because I haven't been that. And if I can do that, I'm at least making some headway. And that's that's what makes the choices later so interesting in that. You've invested yeah, him, yeah. given him like some good choices and then immediately makes bad choices again. And I think it just did a really good job of like having him even in the first 45 minutes, like you said, I think they just they did a good, a pretty good job of establishing like what all, all the things he'd screwed up in his prior life. So it gave you a context for like why he would like actually take to this role as seriously as he did kind of seeing it as at least some kind of new lease on life. And maybe he sees some potential there. And right. Or the fact that like his mother-in-law and his daughter like are both the first person to be like, don't fix this. You will make it worse. You <laughs> are not the guy to do this. Please stay out of it. Yeah, and I didn't get that in the first in the first at the first time where she gets really mad at him because he like he gets his ass kicked when he tries to go track this guy down. And I get what his daughter's mad about. She thinks the guy's just gonna flee now that someone knew that he, like he was looking for him. But it's like that would have happened just as easily if like. There were police sniffing around, you know, I mean, I mean uh, listen, anything that's thriller or mystery in this film is mediocre. But yeah, you can very much tell that that wasn't the focus. My guess is and I don't remember how the commas and ands work in, in screenplay credits um, in the same way that if you think back to uh, the five bloods, that there was two writers on the film, then Spike Lee and um, his co-writer from Black Klansman came on. And they took a script and said, let's make the Spike Lee version of that script. Isn't that what Spike – isn't it also what Spike did with Black Klansman where he kind of like – there was it was written by one bunch of white Jewish dudes. In. <laughs> there was – there was for the last two movies, there were two writers who had a script that came across Spike's desk. And he's like, I see the movie here, but it's not my movie yet. And it feels like Tom McCarthy dusted off a script that had been sitting around and might have leaned too much into, I think, the Clint Eastwood version. He like – dial back as much as he can it really for all the world feels like that second act is him because that's his type of movie i i agree i i haven't seen all of them but like i i I really like the station agent win-win and spotlight was my uh favorite movie of 2015 so i'm i i want to i want to give him the benefit of the doubt on on that stuff uh we we, we, haven't seen the cobbler you should watch the cobbler okay so i'm curious about that and and that's enough to get me to watch it i just like what do you know about it I, I know I know almost like nothing. Here's my elevator pitch. It's a bad movie, but it's a great movie in the sense of it's a so you know like Punch Drunk Love is PT Anderson making an Adam Sandler movie? Sure. This is Tom McCarthy making an Adam Sandler movie, but in the opposite direction. So he's a a cobbler who basically realizes he can like walk in other people's footsteps with his shoes. But the end result is that cobblers also are superheroes. It's a superhero origin story by the end of the movie. Oh, I don't think I realized. I think I knew. I think I thought he had only wrote it. I didn't realize he directed the cover, too. He directed that movie. That is insane. Like, maybe I maybe I did knew that and I forgot it because everyone would just like, uh, get, you know. 
liked around the ending of just like, holy shit. Like, I don't know if I like it less or more, but my God. But yeah, that's what happens. I feel like I might have. I, th- I think someone told me what that ending was at some point and I've forgotten. So maybe I should just go back and watch it. I think it was more that I think I honestly I, and I probably would have watched it if I realized it was a uh, Tom McCarthy like writ film. I, for some reason, I think I just thought it was like a I thought it was like Adam Sandler doing to like like a Tom McCarthy script or something like what we just talked about Spike Lee doing to another script. I, I didn't realize it was more of a Tom McCarthy project through and through. That makes me more curious to watch it, even knowing that it's bad. So it is a uh, two ninety nine rental. I don't know. I wish I'd done that before we did this, but we could. It sounds like we could have ended up on a tangent, so probably it's just for oh, the no, best. Listen, but don't get me wrong, it is a bad movie, but it is a movie where you will not stop going. Like, what? Wait, wait, what? Uh, come again? Um, every, he's a, he's had such an interesting career, huh? It's what makes it so interesting is that every choice in that movie is bizarre. Um, yeah, he uh, he directed it, he co-wrote it, he produced it. Like, this is a movie he wanted to make. But, it's, uh, it's just funny, because, like, you know, I he's just had such a bizarre career. Like, the, that, that he, like, is the, that he's, like, the worst person in the world as an actor in season five of The Wire, playing that journalist, then makes the best journalism movie of all time. But, well, no, not the best. I, that's an overstatement. One of the best journalism movies of all time. And right, but right before that, just made what everyone considers a bomb, but a bomb that I think I'm now going to watch. So. Oh, you got it. Uh, all right. Well, I appreciate you giving me that push because, like, I mean, I honestly, like, I kind of put it I, in my head. It was just like all the other Adam Sandler Netflix movies. Like, I just didn't realize nope. that. I was ignorant on that. So it's way it's maybe the craziest thing he's ever made. I still don't think it's good, but you will want to tell someone about it when you watch it. Every choice is wrong in the movie, but everything is a big swing. Uh, that came out the year before I uh, started doing movie podcasting. I feel like I would have had a fun time talking about that one. It came out the same year as Spotlight is what made it crazy. Oh, okay. It shows up as 2014 on there. Maybe it was like okay. a – I don't um, believe it uh, It came out. Oh, yeah. It says – yeah, yeah. Now I'm seeing the release was March 2015. So, yeah, it came out like you know seven months or so before Spotlight. It played at, um, it played at TIFF. And the people, Cobbler did? Yeah. That's hilarious. Because people thought it might have been an, an Oscar movie. Because yeah, uh, it, it seemed like something he might be building towards with his and then cachet. People were like, yeah. Oh my God, this is atrocious. And then what happened was it got shelved for a little bit. And then once it was coming out, there was also another Tom McCarthy movie where you're just like, wait, is he bad now? <laughs> and that spotlight went, to, I think, Telluride. And everyone went, no, it's it like like you said, like it's the best journalism movie. Well, maybe it's not the best journal. But it is one of the best <laughs> journalism movies ever. And then the funny part was Adam Sandler had Men, Women, and Children also at TIFF that year, which I will go to bat for. I'm the only person who likes it, but I love that movie. But he went in with two Oscar vehicles and came out with two just dogs critically. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I'm I, I'm I'm curious to go check out the cobbler now that you've given me the the hard sell, even if it's not the your 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 regular type of hard sell. Um, I I, I want to jump and talk a little bit about the uh, ending of uh, Stillwater. We can work our way back, but I think it sounds like you would at least recommend people give this a shot. Um, even if we we're not going to give it the strongest, like this is an Oscar player type of recommendation, yeah, you a, know. So it's a three star like thumbs up movie. Like people always complain there aren't adult dramas anymore. And this is an adult drama. Like it, it makes a real big miscalculation in, in the like thriller aspect of it. But this is still like the type of movie the '90s would have all the time. Like it's not a Grisham kind of thing, but it's, it's the kind of like adult drama where people talk, 
that yeah. we don't get that often anymore. Yeah, I always talk about those kind of movies and wish more of them were made. And it's also a shame that it is coming out like right now when like we're hitting this other wave of COVID because like, you know, so much of our country is still just like just being really dumb. And like I, f- I feel like I don't know, I feel like they're like if, it, if this come out maybe like six weeks ago, like it might have had a better shot to make more money. And I, know, I think it out what it was going to do. I think really? it was headed for like five, six million opening weekend. Like it's hard for these movies to do well. Especially when they open kind of like in between. Um, and yeah, I mean, it is also catering to basically old people. And it's it. I'm being I'm being somewhat fascist, but like those are the people who go to like, oh, this is the critically acclaimed like adult drama. And those are also the people who are like, fuck, no, I ain't going to the movies right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, so hopefully I mean, I know I, I'm really happy that like. I mean, again, like I said, maybe it needed to have Matt Damon for Tom McCarthy to get $20 million to go be able to shoot a movie in Marseille. Uh, but I'm happy he did. And hopefully um, hopefully this did well enough that he gets to make another movie uh, in this in this mold at some point in the next few years. Uh, but, yeah, so if you haven't watched it yet, though, and you still think you might want to check it out, definitely recommend you do. And then come back and uh, listen to the last few minutes of Joey and I uh, talking about the uh, the ending of this movie, which I think you've already gotten an idea of how we probably feel about it. But, you know, still go away and come back. So Joey, we just talked a lot about how how well this movie did the first the first or just we just talked a lot about how good the first two thirds of this movie were and how we really uh, bought that this guy was settling in with this family and uh, just kind of seeing life in a new way, uh, hopefully reconnecting with his daughter soon. And it sounds like you might have had the same thought that I did. Like, well, I don't think this guy would do anything quite as stupid as like commit kidnapping uh is yeah it sounds like you also agree that the movie could have maybe like found a different way to like give us some of this like uh thriller energy that it wanted to without like doing something that at that point i thought was kind of out of character for a character that they had built up pretty well yeah no it just it i don't think its heart was in that aspect of it but um i mean they they do their best to try to like keep it from being completely liam neeson style but but yeah, they they do so much to establish like he's getting better at being a functional human being, and then to make a wild choice, and then to to compound it by not just kidnapping this guy because you could almost understand like oh my god I found him, I can't call the cop like I just I have to do something, but also to like do it with the little kid with him and to leave her alone in a car like and then to be basically she's an accomplice to this and then to like hold him hostage. And kind of like potentially torture him. It's just it's all those things become like this is a different movie. Yeah, I you know, hell, that could have been where they tried to do become kind of more of a a legal thriller. If the he could have just, I mean, not that it still would it still wouldn't have been a good thing to do with the girl in the car, but maybe he could have just like tailed the guy to figure out where he lived or something, and then you know figured out a way to turn it over to the authorities, and then you know I maybe it wouldn't have been. I don't know because it's not like it ends in a big fist fight either. It's not like it's it it it, it chooses to build towards something like that. No, I just it literally, it literally ends on the cops figuring out like, oh, he probably kidnapped that guy. We should go get him, and then the guy's not there anymore. And uh, I'm a little unclear actually. I don't know if the movie is clear or it's just open whether right, the right. the private investigator let the guy out or whether uh, Camille Cotton let the guy out and kind of let Matt Damon off the hook. Ooh, interesting. I 
I had been kind of assuming it was Camille Cotton because I thought it was the private investigator that tipped the cops off that he thought that this guy would have kidnapped him because he was very suspicious as to where he got the hair from. Uh, though it, it's also made clear that he did turn the hair over to the authorities that's what, too. That's, so that's what gives me pause. Like yeah. most people seem to say Camille Cotton. I'm curious if it was him, just because he he tips them all off, but also maybe lets them go. So like you can't get this guy in trouble, but we know this guy is there. You know, I can do it because he's clearly you have that scene where he is like drinking and playing cards or whatever with his like other cop friends like this. He's he's now the private eye and he's with his, you know, detective friends still. And they're all commenting on the case, which is not a great scene because the case is so old, like they wouldn't possibly be talking about it anymore. But they all kind of bring up like, oh, what a shame. But also like, well, you know casually kind of sexist also like oh two lesbians like what do you expect like they were they're kind of giving you all the very stock opinions but the scene does show him kind of like observing going maybe we are like you know we accuse americans of being the racist xenophobes but i think we're acting the same way too which again could easily be the case with movie Mm -hmm. but i think maybe you know in the quieter way like he just internalizes and goes like i'm gonna let this guy get a win yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because Camille Cotton would have been upset either way, like even if she hadn't been it because she knew her daughter had to commit perjury to protect this dude that did some pretty messed up stuff. The one thing I was a little unclear of with the movie, and I, I guess it'll lead me to ask you how you felt about these choices that it made, was that when he was interrogating the guy, the guy's English was just so bad and he was already like beat up. And on top of that, like he probably didn't speak good English. So I didn't fully understand like what I didn't fully understand his confession in that moment, you know. I, I I just think it was, again, a very – just not as well written as everything else. The idea of like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, wait, I know completely what you're talking about. I I don't want to say I did it, but your daughter kind of told me to do it, or at least I thought she did. It's just very like – I don't know. It's just not a satisfying thing, which then leads to later on her going – yeah, I, I thought he would just, like, get rid of her, which is a very strange <laughs> response. But they do kind of redeem it. This is what I was talking about before. Just, like, her going, I think I'm a fuck-up like you. Like, I think we're just, like, bad at this, like, at being human beings. Yeah, it's a nice way to bring that full circle. It was just, like, that was a, kind of supposed to be, like, a big twist in the movie. And I just didn't understand what the guy was saying enough to, like, actually connect it to the daughter at that point. And, like, I obviously remember the Stillwater necklace. But, like, I, I, I just didn't put two and two together until he confronted his daughter later on. And that was, like, kind of frustrating. But I, I, was, I was wondering, what do you thought about that choice? I, 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 would, I would encourage people to go read Amanda Knox's Medium post about this because it's kind of, you know— it's it's been kind of controversial because it's like obviously the movie a little bit like itself promoted it by saying it was inspired by her story where she was wrongly convicted of murdering someone in a, a an Italian city that's smaller than uh, Marseille is. But like I, I, I didn't really have a whole lot of thoughts necessarily in that story, and I don't know if you do. But like once I kind of learned about it, I was like, oh, I don't know about the movie making this choice uh, because like. I, I know they probably did those involved in marketing the film probably used her name a little too much, like she said. But at the same time, uh, that last scene is maybe one of the best scenes in the movie. So it was like that kind yeah. of is like that kind of like earns that story choice on its own merits if they just hadn't dropped Amanda Knox's name at all in like yeah, promoting think, the film. If it wasn't for I think it was Sam McCarthy, maybe who said like, oh, yeah, no, we were thinking about that while we were making it like because I 
I naturally assumed like, oh yeah, like this is similar, but like this is clearly the fictional version. It's not trying to be a takeoff. It's just, you know, what if we did something like that? And there's plenty of movies that do something like that. So yeah, like I, I think, I don't think there's any reason to boycott the movie. Like I, you know, there are people I see online who are very quick to uh, back her and go, oh, you know, I won't be reviewing the film now. Like, great, fantastic, you're you're special. But at the same time, she's clear within her rights to be upset because, oh, you made a version of my story and uh, I got no money out of it, which whatever. But you also made it seem like I'm kind of guilty and I'm not. So I get why she's pissed. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. And I and I it's like I think they should be allowed to make a story like this. But I think she's like within her like given that like there was like so much misinformation and probably some people that like still give her a really hard time in certain corners of whether it be the Internet or everyday life that like might like to associate some uh, like unpleasant things with her, even if she was exonerated. She's and also hurt so, by like there was a Lifetime movie or something. I know those movies are all awful, but that yeah, thing yeah. also had like a dream sequence of her doing it and stuff like that. So I think she's like, I just don't want anything like this. Yeah, so I, I I totally get that, and like it, it, it sounded like she would have been even from what I because I've, I've listened to like another interview with her about it on top of reading her medium post, and I it sounds like she almost would have been okay if they just like hadn't brought up her name at all, and like yeah, I think that is I think that's where she's right. I think it would have been a way better choice if they just forgot her name. And if they are going to use her name, then yeah. it is messed up to like make the final choice with the, with the twist with respect to the daughter in the movie. But you know, again, I thought it was like a really well acted and interesting moment. Uh, how like the note they ended on between uh, between Matt Damon and Abigail Breslin. Yeah. I mean, I think I think Amanda Knox also made a like again. I don't think she's entitled to anything. I definitely feel for her being like I don't want to live this anymore. Like stop. But I think the end of her post was kind of interesting that she's like. I'm not blaming Abigail Breslin. I'm not blaming Matt Damon. Like, no one's telling them not to make this movie. But, like, I think her point was, you know, if you're going to if you're going to bring up my name, maybe just like shoot me a call and be like, hey, we're making this and we're we're inspired by you, but we're going in a different direction. Here's where we're going. And we, you know, we and want why you we're to, doing it, yeah. uh, you know, or we just want you to know it's not done with malice, because I think that was her point. It's like, I assume you're not doing it to say fuck you to me, but. You never contacted me like we've all had that moment. And uh, I certainly have in the recent past where you're just like, I don't think this person is doing something malicious. I just think they're being thoughtless. And that's almost, you know, to the person worse because you're like, you, you, you couldn't have thought about me for like 30 seconds. Right. Any other, any thoughts on the performances? Like you kind of mentioned how like uh, back before we really knew a lot about this film, you might have had these actors uh, in, in in your Oscar rankings, and it's it, now that we've seen it, we think it might not be that kind of movie. But like uh, it sounds like you uh, still were impressed with like how Matt Damon kind of modulated being uh, MAGA and um, as well as uh, I, I really enjoyed Abigail Breslin, someone who I really haven't seen a lot outside of like the Zombieland movies in the last ten years. You no, know, I've seen her a couple of things. She's always good. I think this isn't. She's not the focus enough to get a nomination. She was my actual year in advance winner because it just seemed like it's time. Yeah. Um, like it was just like it made sense. But uh, Damon's great. Again, like this is a real hard movie to make work with that character. Like we're saying, but he does. Um, everyone's good in this movie. It's a really well acted movie. It's just it's coming out a little too early for Oscar. It's also just a step down like. It's the type of movie I can feel like ends up on, like, the AFI top ten. And back in the days, the Golden Globes, like, 
You're like, wait, Matt Damon got in for this? Um, and sure, just comes sure. a little closer than it probably deserves. Like, I wouldn't wouldn't be upset. It's not like, you know, other movies where I'm like, oh, God, this is getting nominated. But uh, I would hope there's 10 better movies to come. But if there's not, like, this is a thoroughly solid movie. And if this is more what we're going to see nominated more often, wouldn't bat an eye. The, 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 the solid 10 for Best Picture starts this year? Yep. Ah, okay, yeah. Well, I mean, gonna, even if it's not... It's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd forgotten about that, and but I agree. If like something like this gets in because of that, then that's fine. Even though if I don't think that's going to be this movie. No, uh, I think if they're gonna, it really just depends on how they're planning on utilizing it. So what they can do is they can go back to doing what they're doing, and they just nominate ten, you know, of the movies they like. Or there's a possibility that they'll start to think more about like, hmm. What about other types of movies that we ignore that do well? Like, you know, the, the idea of why there was 10 in the first place, which not going to not going to, you know, proselytize here that much. But just saying the Suicide Squad will probably be better than at least a couple of the nominees that are nominated this year. Right. I guess you just you hope it'd be cool if they start using that, that last spot for, you know, more genre stuff as opposed to like something like The Blind Side, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, or, and it depends. Like, just that doesn't mean musical that's also an oscar movie it doesn't mean like in the heights gets in because there's 10 it means you know consider something that wouldn't have a chance but now has an opportunity because you only like seven movies so you have to go three more deep it's how you got animated films and those are two of the best nominees we've had right yeah no i i, I agree and I, for, for a second my head was going to oh maybe like some of the independent type stuff that everyone thought might take the place of things last year they got pushed but it sounds like it, it would, I don't know, it would probably go more in with, like, you know, mainstream popular stuff, and I'm fine with that. You know, you would have seen something like Promising a Woman fall short and maybe just be a screenplay nominee. And you would have gone, like, that's why you need more than five nominees. But we're at a point now where the Academy's tastes accept those kind of things. So it's more about expanding so you don't have that popular category, which is awful. But you find a way to to demonstrate the film year. And that doesn't mean pick the, the best big budget movie, but take a, a, you know, a wider array of the film year. And maybe that does mean more independent things. Maybe that means, you know, something like Stillwater. Maybe that just means, you know, uh, horror has a better chance or maybe a documentary one day. It, just, it means because you have to fill out 10 slots, you have to think a little deeper about what you what you're normally nominating because normal, you know, it's easy sometimes with five to go, well, I thought no man land was fine, but it's going to get all these nominations and I don't mind that it is. Eh, throw it in at five. If you have to go 10, if you do that, you're not taking it away from, let's say you, you liked, you know, Malcolm Marie better last year, but you're like, it's not going to get in anyway. Why bother? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, or like two years ago, waves in a year of 10, like maybe waves gets in because it has that winner's bone, the you know that kind of vibe just like it's a filler nominee in a way but also it's great yeah i'm ready i'm ready for trey edward schultz to announce his next movie whatever that's gonna be i want to i want to know what it is um joey any other final thoughts on stillwater i mean not really is the thing like it's a good movie i don't think it's in a movie you ever really need to watch again but it's a movie that mostly does right and what it does wrong it kind of tries to correct at the end and if you're someone who likes, like I said, like adult drama 
and uh, like like I think Million Dollar Baby is a great Clint Eastwood movie, but at the same time I think like Hereafter is terrible, and more often than not he makes bad movies lately than good. But if that kind of movie speaks to you and you just wish it was done better, this is that. This is like what if you made those movies good? Yeah, I I I I thought Stillwater was perfectly fine, and I was just like really worried it was not going to be that, and which I was really afraid of because like I I want to I want to- good things for Tom McCarthy, and it's it's just a lot better than what you might have thought if you just kind of like were on the internet making jokes about the trailer just like I was. So it's exactly. definitely don't judge a book by its cover, uh, which I think is obviously a part of, I mean, part part of what the movie's trying to say about that character. But I I, I just think it's a it's a it's a better movie than it was marketed as, in my opinion, and more interesting and surprising. So uh, definitely recommend people uh, at least give it a shot. Uh, Joey, you already um you, you briefly mentioned Suicide Squad. I was going to ask you to uh, recommend anything you'd seen recently that you really liked. Is there anything you wanted to talk about that you've really seen that's coming up for? You can uh, shout out for people. I mean, by the time people are listening to this, they'll have already seen it if they're going to see it. But yeah, I love Suicide Squad. Zola, if you haven't seen it yet, is great. And Pig is great. The Anthony Bourdain documentary is great. Something coming out, Coda. Everyone loved it at Sundance, and I think a lot of people forgot about it. It's coming up very soon, and it is delightful. Is that going to be Apple TV? Is that Apple TV Plus? Apple TV Plus. Then if you want one thing that's a little ways off, uh, also, is at Sundance Mass, which well, I forgot. What's that about? <clears throat> Mass is uh, the hardest sell you'll ever have because it's <laughs> years after a tragic. Here's the logline: Years after a tragic shooting, the parents of both the victim and the perpetrator meet face to face. It's basically an hour and fifty minutes of two sets of parents talking to each other about that tragedy, and it's Wasn't directed it? by Fran Kranz, who's the stoner from The Cabin in the Woods. Huh. Wasn't there also a uh, one at Sundance about like a kid that just like uh, traps his family in a hole or something yeah, like that? Yeah, a hole and it sucks. Oh, I was uh, gonna say this is a weird year at Sundance, I guess. No, huh? but this was this movie is great. This is um, one couple is Jason Isaacs and Martha Plimpton, and the other couple is Reed Burney and Ann Dowd, and wow. it's basically just an acting powerhouse of how would a parent a, a set of parents whose kid turned into a monster rationalize that and justify that almost. And how do grieving parents deal with, here's the people who made the person who ruined our lives. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's it's hard to explain, but it's so good. But I fully expect seven people to see it, even though Bleecker Street is really hyped up for an Oscar campaign. It deserves nominations. Like, all four of them are nomination worthy. But, you know, two people are going to want to see it. Like, you're going to have to really get people to see it, because it's, it's not what you would call a good time. <laughs> speaking speaking of movies that are uh I, I i you'd have a hard time describing as necessarily a good time i i i'm, I'm gonna be doing a podcast on a net with my friend ben in a few weeks but i hadn't seen any leo's carrick's movies so i watched holy motors for the first time i and, love holy motors but yeah it's also not a good time yeah it's just, it's 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 a freaking it's a wild ride is what it is uh it's so like, movies is what it is yeah and and, so, and and denny levant is just like a god in that movie but <laughs> Yeah, I, I I didn't care for Annette. Oh, okay. Well, I'm I'm I, I'm I'm intrigued by it, but I wanted to have a couple more reference points for uh, the filmmaker. So that's why I started with Holy Motors because I know that was one of his better known ones. And I'm gonna <laughs> at least watch one other. But like I that's that was the one thing I'd watched recently I hadn't mentioned on the podcast yet that I that I actually liked. 
Um, so I wanted to kind of like shout that out. And if you think you want to go see a neck, cause I mean, uh, I know it's been divisive and it's really weird and, but it has Adam driver. So I, I I'm thinking in marrying a two yard. So it might be at least grabbing some people's attention. I mean, and if you, and that, the thing is, it feels like a rock opera based on a, on an album that never came out where you're just like, I don't get why I'm supposed to care, but your mileage may vary. Like, I think the reviews are largely positive. There's people like me who are just like, I appreciate the big swing, but you also struck out. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, there we go. That'll be on Amazon in a few weeks for uh, for everyone to see. So if, if that sounds uh, at least interesting to you, uh, it'll 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 be there soon. Uh, Joey, where can people find your stuff? Uh, at Awards Radar, it is my site. So all of my shit goes there now, um, along with other people's. But you know, a lot of stuff is mine. Actually, I would say it's 50-50 at this point. There's, I, I outsource it to other people because God knows I need a break sometimes. But, yeah, all my reviews are there, interviews, also, podcast, all that jazz. Yeah, I was going to say, Awards Radar podcast, Joey has his own uh, rotating crew of people that kind of come in, right? Yeah, we just stumbled upon a ridiculously fun and vaguely insulting game that we play now every week. <laughs> just leave that as a tease. Yeah. Uh, maybe, people, maybe people go check it out. I don't want to say too specifically what it is because I want to get sued. But um, at the same time, the person involved deserves it. <laughs> but it's great. Sure. Okay. Uh, as usual, I'm Josh Chernovoy on uh, social media. J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-I on both Twitter and Letterboxd. Podcast Twitter is at the Rewind Movie Pod. Podcast email is the Rewind Movie Pod at gmail.com. So send any feedback there. Thanks to again to Joey for joining me. Uh, coming up next on the pod, we'll have an episode on uh, the Suicide Squad, which Joey just teased. So everyone, uh, stay tuned for that. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time. Get vaccinated. Yes. Amen. <laughs>